Well, the word resilience comes up yet again as bond yields push ever higher. But with Mr. Powell due to speak at Jackson Hole in the session ahead, will the consolidation we're seeing in the US dollar and equity markets persist? Or is this the calm before the storm? We answer all those factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstein. I'm going to bring Blake in in a moment into the programme. But as you can see here, we've got another action-packed show. Lots to get through across asset class, covering all the landmines and the setups that are coming on your radar and my radar, Blake's radar. So let's get to it. Blake, welcome to the programme. Um, we have uh, a big event risk in the, in the sense that uh, all eyes are on uh, Jerome Powell. Uh, you... Didn't get a Guernsey, I can see. I mean, if you're making your way slightly east out to Kansas to Wyoming, it's not too far. You said it was about 900 miles. But you didn't yeah, get a Guernsey. It's just north. You're, you're with us today. You're with us today rather than shindigging with Lagarde and Jerome, Jerome Powell and those, and those players. You know, even at 50 years old, I'm too young and I'm too good looking to be invited. I mean, let's just face the facts. All right. Do you reckon, that, do you reckon that's it? They just went, you know, what's, what's the criteria for coming along? You've got to be ugly. Yeah, Blake's, uh, on, ugly Blake, and Blake's, not, getting a, Blake's not getting his currency today. Yeah, I'm, I'd like to say it's the same thing as well. I'm 42 and I'm, you know, I've got a few years to catch up. But uh, yeah, I didn't get, my, I didn't make the uh, make the cut either, mate. To be honest, which is great because I get to spend it with all the viewers here today. Uh, and if you're watching the program, smack the like button. We'd appreciate that one second. Um, obviously, if you leave your comments, we'd love to get to those. Um, whether you want to give uh, yeah, criticism or whether you want to give us some praise or whether you want to weigh in on, on on the debate in global markets, we want to hear from you. So get in on the mix. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's go to Topical Thunder and let's see what's making the news today. Yeah, Blake, I talk about sentiment each week. It seems to be my sort of default starting point, to be fair. <laughs> but, you know, markets are fear and greed, right? They are based on sentiment. So I think it's a great chance just to, to start, get a bit of a health check of the market, a bit of fun, take the sort of pulse of what's going on at the moment. Uh, and I used re resilience in the synopsis in the earlier part there. And I think that's part of things. But, you know, UK gilts overnight were up 22 basis points, a material move. We've got Citigroup talking about 18% CPI numbers in the UK in the Q1. You know, we've got sticky inflation in the US, about 6%. We've got you know, moves that are happening in China. Yeah, but yeah, equity markets continue to grind higher. US treasuries in twos are breaking out at the moment. You've got the breakouts in five-year treasuries. You know, we're talking about very aggressive rate hikes coming in in, in, in a number of central banks, uh, Europe, Canada, the U US, all these factors. But yet the equity markets are just consolidating at the moment. Um, is this the calm before the storm, should we say? Or are we, you know, is there a reason just to consolidate after the nice run we've seen? I think, well, first of all, I think that we do the the markets always tend to be more optimistic than I think, uh, you know, even, even as dire as some situations might be uh, in the face of, you know, rates going higher and central banks being pretty adamant about raising rates. Uh, obviously, we're going to be kind of clued in at the end of this week, how, uh, you know, aggressive, not only the Fed and but how other central banks might be and if they're going to stay the course or not. Mm. But you're right. You know, the markets are very, very resilient. I do want to talk about sentiment in a little bit in in a, in the next segment or in a couple mm. of segments. I'm going to talk a bit a little bit about it. But I I was actually just chatting with somebody else today, uh, Mark Chandler of Bannockburn Forex, yeah. and talking to him about how resilient the equity markets are. And um, you know the the fact of the matter is the markets always try to find you know the 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 goodness in in what's happening. So maybe 
it's just that optimism that uh, that that you know, with inflation looking maybe a little peaky, mm. that central banks might back off their rhetoric a little bit. Maybe that's could, it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, it's interesting though, because one thing I look at is, is is hedging flows coming through the market, and I think if you go to the options market, that's pretty clear. You know, if you look at uh, skew in, in you know the difference between say like twenty five delta puts relative to out the money, um, you know volatility for one month, you know there hasn't really been any kind of pickup. Even though we've seen this this eighteen percent move up off off the S and P lows, twelve um, percent in, in in the you know the local market here. But you know you've not seen really any kind of major pickup in in hedging activities. And and you could say, Do you know what, I'm long equities, I'm long risk. And this is actually quite cheap to hedge some of these underlying positions, but you're not seeing those flows at the moment. So it's interesting to see that. You, know, you can use the VIX as probably the default position, and that's trading at 22%. So, you know, it's still holding 20%. I'd like it above 25%. But, you know, you're not seeing people betting, um, you know, through options market on big downside at the moment, and you're not seeing ma- massive hedging flows at the moment. So it feels like the market wants to see something and they want, and they need a new catalyst maybe it comes from Jerome Powell maybe it comes in the following weeks from payrolls maybe it comes from CPI numbers and then maybe a 50 or 75 basis point hike but uh, the market yeah. is in this hiatus right at the moment it is and that's an interesting observation you make about about hedging because after this huge rally off of the lows that we've seen it's surprising that we haven't seen it. But let's turn yeah. our attention to Jackson Hole because obviously yeah. that's the talk of the town. Um, it and I, I really, it is. It's going to be the talk of the town. And even if we're not there and you weren't invited, or, nor was I. Um, but, you know, all eyes are going to be on the Fed chairman uh, here, you know, in the U.S. He, he's scheduled to speak on Friday at 10 a.m. And we're not even getting uh, a schedule of speakers until tomorrow uh, so at some point. So what's interesting about that is usually we start getting comments and you start seeing headlines because, you know, speakers are, are, are coming on camera, talking to different outlets, different news outlets, but really the spotlight's going to be on the fed chairman. But I asked yeah. this question when I was talking to, to other people, and I want to ask you, should we be paying attention to any other central bank? I mean, should we be t- paying attention to Corota with this, this meltdown that we've seen in the yen this whole year, uh, should we be listening to other central banks and what they have to say, or is it really just all Fed centric? I personally think that everybody's really laser focused on the Fed as they should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm wondering, should we start paying attention to what other central banks are saying? What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think uh, absolutely everyone's going to be focused on Mr. Powell. He speaks, um, you know, uh, midday, uh, midnight Saturday uh, for uh, Eastern Standard Time. I'm sure exactly in local time. Um, but yeah, it's really all about that situation. For me, you know, we look at the probability distribution and, and what the potential outcomes. Why would he do anything other than keep his foot down on the inflation debate? You know, sticky inflation's at six percent. He needs to continue hitting that home. But there's also reasons to believe there could be some nuance around that. We've seen a slowing in various economic activities. Um, certainly in the soft data readings, we we've seen. Um, yeah, the unemployment rate at this and, and employment is still very, very strong. So I think until we get that CPI number on the 13th, the payrolls number on the 2nd of September, he, he needs to give himself maximum flexibility, you know, continue to be, um, you know, very 
ambiguous about what's going on and keep the market guessing and give them the flexibility to go 50 or 75. So it could really be a non-event. Um, and that's 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 the kind of when, way I'm looking at it. But are we going to get anything that sways the 75 basis point hike argument? Anything that goes towards 50 could see the dollar quite sensitive to that. What we're pricing in, we're pricing 66 basis points of hikes for that September meeting at the moment. So that's kind of what you're keying off. One fact, uh, Blake, before we before I let you take over, there are six different types of rabbits, species of rabbits, which are native uh, to Wyoming. So you know, really? I think that's that's a really interesting fact around uh, around that. <laughs> that is a really interesting fact. But what's, what also is an interesting fact is looking at global PMIs and how they are all dropping qu- quite precipitously. Are, so mate. in the yeah. face, you know, in the face of, of of a global slowdown, not just here in the U.S. I mean, I know the Fed is supposed to be focused on what's happening in the U.S., but they have to be taking into account what's happening globally. And globally, it's starting to look a little shaky. That's why I asked that question, Chris. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good one. I think I just think that he keeps himself very, his optionality firmly open until they get a little bit more data coming through. Anyway, I just think it's interesting because, look, you know, you ask anyone um, who they think is the most uh, um What's the word? I suppose who's the most influential central bank? Every single person should should all say the Federal Reserve. Um, who's the central bank who probably has the easiest job? And you probably say the Central Bank of Turkey because if you don't do what Erdogan wants, then you're kind of out. But uh, you know, I had a question from a client the other day, and then he said, "You know, which one um, has the hardest job out of of, of policy?" And uh, you know, I've I've got I've got my views, and maybe I'll answer them in a second. But I'm interested to hear what you, if all the central banks, certainly in G10, who do you think has got the hardest job in setting policy? Well, I, I think most of the European countries that are that have independent central banks are are dealing with a lot of issues right now, especially with for energy reasons, and then obviously a slowdown. Um, and and I know that the European Central Bank they have a lot of. Uh, they have a lot of issues that they're going to be dealing with as they go into the fall. I mean, not only do you have to deal with what's happening with Ukraine and what's happening with Russia, what's happening with energy, but also a slowdown and an uneven slowdown without fiscal, you know, uh, like here in the U.S., I mean, we we have a fiscal and monetary bond and union. European, 19, 19 countries to deal with, right? <laughs> uh, isn't, isn't it more now? I don't no, know. 19, I, 19 I, I lose. I lose track but you know i mean how what a juggling act that the ecb has and i think they are going to have a very tough time going into this fall uh and and then also i i guess if you want to talk about another central bank you probably talk about the pboc um because they're they are actually dealing with a massive slowdown right now uh as well so i i don't know chris what are your thoughts well, I'd go with the Bank of England, and and I I think that you make some really good points around the ECB. And the reason I think is the best way to, to to look at this is is which is the central bank which is, has the biggest range of potential outcomes that happens in 2023-24. And for me, that's the Bank of England. And you go back to Citigroup's call earlier this week that, that they could see CPI numbers of 18% and RPI 21%. And you could make a policy, uh, you can make a, a case that the Bank of England could be cutting rates in late 23. But they could also be putting the bank rate up to 6%. So I think the best way to answer this question and the way I sort of coined it to, to the client was, 
what central bank has the, the the hardest job in forecasting economics and then you know forecasting where rates could be because the range of outcomes are so wide the distribution is so wide and for me that's the bank of england so you know we're going to see a recession playing through we know that they've at the moment they haven't capped energy prices but they may do um, but the energy uh, off gen uh, energy uh, from suppliers to the households is, is is going up at a rate of about twenty five percent per quarter, um, and that's just crazy, right? So then you've got um, you know very very high inflation is negative for a currency, um, in my opinion, because it just you know it, it changes behaviours. You get this demand squeeze. Um, so I just think the best way to answer that question is is what central bank has the biggest potential range of outcomes, ranging from significant rate hikes to you know potential cuts, and and the market's pricing about sixty basis points of cuts for me. The Bank of England. Is probably the the one there that, that has the hardest job. It's going to be making policy up on the fly, right? <laughs> You're going to be taking Andrew Bailey's job uh, shortly. I I, I see. <laughs> I'm too good looking for that job, mate. <laughs> That's what they said about Jackson Hole. I'm <laughs> telling you. All right, let's uh, let's turn our attention to the dollar. So you know the dollar has been on fire this last week, and it, and it actually rallied quite substantially, even more than I thought it was going to. And we rallied towards that that all-time high. So I got to ask this question. Do we have a double top or do we yeah. have a blow-off top? And oh, I think I, and, and before I, before, I, I think it's a, a valid question. I think yeah. we're going to actually have the answer probably after this week, I'm assuming. Yeah. But I mean, the dollar has been damn strong and damn resilient and for a lot of good reasons. Yeah. But, you know, at what point do you say, okay, other central banks are, you know, are going to trying to play catch up right now as inflation starts to, 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 to hit double digits in the UK, or, you know, you've mm. got the ECB that's got to choose between inflation or, or growth. And they're probably going to have to go the inflation route. I mean, do, you know, does the dollar actually break out and just start screaming and be a real yeah. big negative for, well, I'll, for tell you, I'll tell you this well, two things. So two think? things. Yeah. Neil Kashkari spoke this week and and actually brought up the dollar and how it's impacting. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's the first. He, he was in the he was in the mummy he, guy. Was it a rock? He was a he was a he was a, he was a movie star before being a central bank. I'm I, know, I know, I know, I know. I'm but joking, it, it's the first proper Federal Reserve member who's who started really focusing on it. So. The dollar now is is getting a, a, a talking point, and 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 how it impacts inflation. I don't think they're going to do anything about it at the moment. Uh, the second thing is is what's happening in China. You know, I think the the rally that we'd soon seeing in dollar CNH, the offshore yuan, had been at the backbone of, of of the dollar moves more broadly. And overnight, what we've seen is the um, you know the Chinese authorities um, basically saying to Chinese banks, stop shorting the yuan. But at the same time, coming out and saying they welcome the yuan depreciation, the yuan weakness. So it's kind of counter. They don't want people to bet against it because they don't want to see like a, a really impulsive move up in dollar CNH. But at the same time, they kind of welcome it. And, and for people in domestic markets, if the PBOC are welcoming a currency move, that's generally kind of what we're doing. I think if, if dollar CNH continues to was to, found, to find its mojo again and, and push into, say, seven, yeah, dollar index is going up because that would really see the euro dollar down. Look, the euro, euro dollar, we've got a little bit of time left here, Blake. I mean, we've got European natural gas prices trading around 300 euros at the moment. You know, uh, German um, uh, electricity price is just absolutely going exponentially. Um, we've got a shutdown of the Nord Stream pipeline at the moment. European growth is awful. But euro, I think, you know, whilst it's broken down, it looks like it's hold parity. It's, it's actually holding up far better than what you'd imagine, right? 
It is. And we talked about this last week. Like you, you could, you threw, you throw everything at the Euro and it's still holding up around here and I don't get it. And I thought, I, I thought we'd be trading lower already. Um, but we haven't, and you're right. So it's, it it is holding up and that's why I I'm getting a little skeptical of the dollar, but I think we're going to have a lot of answers going into this next week after the Jackson Hole Symposium. That's right, mate. Well, keep an open mind is this all we say. So you can hate the Europe as much as you possible, uh, possibly can. But when the price action tells you to to change ship, you've got to you've got to respect that. Anyway, let's go to the let's go to the charts that are that are on our mind at the moment. Let's go to that's a setup. Well, one that uh, that we know time and time again, Blake tells us he's a, a bad trader, but a very good caller is is the crude <laughs> chart. So I want to bring this up, and I want to get some homage uh, for the uh, little. Uh, uh, spiel at the bottom, hundred dollars for a wedgie. Uh, how do you think about that? Do I get do I get some I, love? I, I, you, hat tip to you, Chris. Yeah, right. Anyway, so we've broken out of the uh, the bullish wedge, and uh, there are wedges popping up all over the shop, whether it's bullish or bearish. And and I think crude's one that's interesting. Now, the fundamental news, of course, this week is that the Saudis have come out and and talked about the dislocations between fundamentals and the futures market, and so that they could potentially look to uh, change the output settings, i.e. lower the output effectively to change the the supply-demand uh, imbalance that's playing through. And of course, the, bar, the, the, the market has responded, and we can see it's broken that, 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 uh, the, the downtrend. We've made a higher high. It looks like it's just sticking its press head above the precipice of that recent swing high. Um, you know, rate of change is moving to the upside. We've got the uh, yeah, the move, short-term moving averages uh, crossing over. So again, from a momentum sort of perspective, it's it's doing the right things. And then, of course, you've got the pattern for you pattern heads out there. It's uh, it's broken out of the wedge. So it looks pretty bullish. And and hundred dollars seems like a, a, a reasonable call, Blake. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I well here's the here's the one thing that's I don't know if it's on your chart. It's hard for me to see. But the 200-day moving average comes in right around 96. So I think I think it's a pretty easy trip to get from 96 to 100. And mm. I think above the 200-day moving average, you're going to get some systematic buying coming in. And it has held up pretty well. I thought we would dip into the 70s. And then I was going to be – I was personally, I was going to be a buyer if we dipped down to the 70s. But we held 85 really well. Um, and, you know, to be – Perfectly frank here, coming out of a descending wedge like that, yeah, hundred would be an easy target, maybe even yeah. higher than that, Chris. Yeah, I think it's important as well. Yeah, I get a lot of people saying to me, Chris, you know, why do you always use daily charts in the show? Do you trade off them? And of course, we might trade off hourly charts or four-hour charts. But I think in, in the in the context of of looking at the big picture setups um, and and how it sort of translates for you know for programs like this, I think daily charts we could use weekly gives you a really good perception on on, on the sort of aggregation of flow and, and behaviors at this one time. So yeah, I like this one. I think it's got legs for a hundred bucks. That's obviously the big round number that you know we we, we potentially target here. Top-down analysis. I like it, Chris, and that's why we, we usually show up with the dailies. Uh, let's take a look at the S&P, and the S&P, ah. Uh, <laughs> you wedge. Uh, it, it's, I think it might be a trap, Chris. Now, uh, have you, do you remember the, the Admiral Akbar from, uh, from Star Wars? Star Wars that yeah. weird-looking guy. He goes, oh, it's a trap. It's a trap. Well, <laughs> you know, everybody's leaning into short S&Ps. Everybody, 200-day moving average. There's this gentleman on on Twitter. He he posted that it's September. The only three times net short uh, was more in the last 25 years was September 2007, October 2011, June 2020. All resort all resulted in a in in some in some cases a large squeeze, and in other cases just a several more weeks of a squeeze before we rolled over. But right now everybody's leaning on the market, Chris and. You know, you you made the you made the argument about a lot of people not being hedged 
on their longs. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that are leaning short right now. And that that 200 day moving average rejection, that ascending wedge, that made a lot of sense for us to come down. 4,100 or actually more specifically, 40 or 4090 is the 38% mm. retracement. If we can hold that going into this weekend past Chairman Powell, I think we actually can make it towards 4,400. What are yeah, your right. thoughts here? Is it a trap or do the do the bears win out here? I want to say the bears are going to win out. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I got, literally before I came on air, one of my friends uh, texted me and said that Jim Cramer's just put out a tweet saying the lows have been seen. And we know oh. all how that goes, that the best reverse oh. indicator that you can get out in the market. So I think probably from that perspective, it's well worth going short. <laughs> we'll have to <laughs> see. I mean, yeah, like I think... Um, yeah, look, I mean, having an open mind. I mean, I think every strategist on the street at the moment is is saying there's there's nothing attractive about equities here, um, that we've had a, a repositioning move um, and that we go lower. Uh, yeah, most if you read sentiment in the room in, in social media, everyone thinks that we're going lower. So from that perspective, um, yeah, like maybe we go higher just because of the you know, too many rats on one side of the ship. It's, you know, that ship will tip effectively. So we'll see. I think keeping an open mind. But I still think that right now that – Tactically, it feels like there's there's more downside risks than there are upside risks when you're looking at the distribution. We'll have to see. Good one there, Blake. Again, the wedge charts come out that that, that price action and that setup needs to be respected. Uh, sure. Let's have a look at the uh, the quid. Let's have a look at what you call it, the guppy, or is that a sterling? Uh, yen, no, that would be the pound yen. But it's the, yeah, right. yeah, the sterling. I like it. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm 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 generally bearish on the pound. The question is, is we as traders, right? We live in the future. We live 12, 18 months ahead. So all these factors that I talk about, you know, with very, very high inflation, what does that mean for the social fabric of the UK? We had a, a great question, I think, from Chris Price about, you know, what happens with Liz Truss coming in, Rishi Shunak coming in. What does that mean? Look, there is going to be big fiscal stimulus. And Liz Truss has pretty much got this in the bag, if you believe the polls. And she's going to come out with massive fiscal stimulus, which is, uh, you know, one and one and a half percent of GDP. And that's obviously going to be deficit spent, uh, deficit funded, which should increase growth. But, you know, again, you look at the fact that they've got a balance of payments issue. They're getting hit from both sides of the capital account and the current accounts and you've got to take a very negative stance on the pound um you know the market's betting that they're going to they're going to see 60 basis points of cuts in 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 late late next year into 2024 there's no other central bank that comes close so i think the uk have some prop some real problems to deal with and i just don't think liz truss is going to is going to work them so look for me the, the, the setup here blake is this 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 double bottom that we can see around 117.90 we've held on so far for me, it cracks and, uh, you know, you continue selling pounds in that situation. So you wait for the market to show that that support means nothing anymore. Uh, everything fundamentally suggests that this goes lower. What do you think? Well, I think that that uh, what, what you don't have drawn up there is a, just a descending channel. Bottom of the channel comes in below 116. So if we do get that clean break that you you think that might may develop, and then mm. that goes back to the dollar, you know, seeing the dollar actually rally and not have a double top, but actually break out. I think you put you line those two things up, Chris, and you're trading below 116 probably over the course of the next few weeks. One thing that I am a little worried about, though, regarding the sterling, at least right now, is we had a divergent relative strength intraday and gave us a false breakdown below 117.50. That's the one thing that gets me a little nervous, but I, I'm not trading it. I'm just I'm kind of observing it from afar right now. Yeah. And the Bank of England, just to, before they actually start cutting rates, are still expected to be 
Um, one of the central banks that raises m you know, most aggressively over the next 12 months. I think we're pricing in about 250 basis points of additional hikes on what we've already seen. So, you know, that, that, that's probably support. Although you, you are paying, you, you're not getting any real carry uh, in the pound relative to the dollar. So, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one. But rate cuts are expected. Whether those are true, we'll have to see. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look at your, your hometown currency, home state currency, home yeah. country currency. Let's take a look at the Aussie. I, you know, Chris, you love it, don't you? You love it. I do. I'm an Aussie lover. What can I say? I, you know, I love the bid that it has. Uh, you know, we, I've been, I've been actively buying the Aussie all year. You know, as it dips down in this, you know, high 60, 67 cents, 68 cents, and I, I've been playing it to the long side down here. And one thing that I can't get away from is the fact that we're holding up a, a 618, 61.8. Fibonacci retracement at 6855.6855. That level's holding, and it looks like almost an inverted head and shoulder pattern might want to develop. And if the stock market does hold and retain its bid, and you pointed out how resilient the market is, if the market holds holds up and we actually continue to rally and we we press towards you know 4,400 in the S&P, I think you have to be looking at the Aussie that we might see that 200-day moving average again. I think it's well bid, and I, and and anybody who's been shorting Aussies just hasn't gotten paid, and that is a fact. So what do you what do you think here, Chris? You got to get paid, G. Got to um, get paid as a trader. You got to get got to get. But I mean, yeah, that's it depends on the time frame. I mean, there's probably some money, but obviously may be made if you're scalping and going intraday, but. Uh, um, yeah, if you're taking the big picture situation, it's tough, isn't it? You're just not getting those those big sort of prolonged moves. So you've got to be cute. You've got to be in front of the screen. You've got to be you know, far more aggressive in reaction. It's like dollar yen at the beginning of the year, which just went up and up and up. You know, you can't hold those positions for, for any kind of conviction. Um, and if you're systematic in any kind of capacity, then, then you know, you're just not getting many trades on here. But yeah, I think that's 69.50, uh, 65, is it, um, that, that I can see in the, that for retracement level. Um, you know, yeah. if it breaks through that to the upside, I think that's what you want. You want to buy strength and wait for real strength to kick in, uh, in and, and real weakness to kick in and, and, and make it look like what's going on. But yeah, I think, you know, you're at the mercy of risk sentiment. So equity markets are dictating. If we saw the VIX pushing above 25% for a sustained period of time, that higher vol environment would probably be you know, something that the Aussie dollar is going to react to as well. So for me, the Aussie dollar is not a reflection of what's going on in Australia. It's just a it's just a vehicle for expressing risk, really. So yeah, we'll have although to watch we, those. Uh, Although we do have the RBA on September 5th, I believe. Yeah, September I think, 5th. Yeah, I think yeah, it's I just, think, the, just the first right. Tuesday so, that say so around the seventh, but they'll go fifty basis points in that situation. The question is, is yeah, are we pricing in too much or too little further down the curve? Well, anyway, I, I bet we're going to talk about that next week. We will, mate. We absolutely <laughs> we will, and uh, you'll be you'll still be loving the Aussie regardless. <laughs> I'm joking. I think will. so. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's uh, let's see what's uh, top of mind for Blake and myself. Yeah, look, Blake. I I quite like the CAD. You know, I quite like the Canadian dollar. I think when they have their next central bank meeting in, in, in September, they'll probably go 75 basis points. Market's pricing about 69 basis points there. You know, you've got that exposure towards North America. So when the US is doing well, Canada is a proxy of that situation. We've talked about the oil breakout earlier and, and, and the Canadian dollar wears 
a decent sort of correlation to, to, to oil. I've talked about my disdain for the pound. So when you sort of marry the two up together, you've got yourself uh, a fundamental view. Now I look at the technicals and what does it tell me? The price action is breaking uh, breaking through those support levels. It's making lower lows. It tries to rally. The sellers smack it back down straight away. It's doing everything that I need it to do. The fundamentals are aligned uh, with the technicals. Um, I've got myself a fairly clear stop loss. Well, I want the three day to, to, to close back above the eight day exponential moving average and that will take me out of shorts. But I think this one could kick on. I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? We don't prophesize in this in, in this kind of world. Um, but I think this has got something like 152 below, you know, written all over this. I think this one goes lower. The technicals and the fundamentals align. And when you've got that, the stars are aligned. You got yourself a trade, G. You got it. All right. Well, uh, I, I like it. I, I think the pound looks looks like looks horrible against all the commodity currencies, really. So pound Canadian, why not? So uh, let's take a look at the Euro Swiss. I'm going to turn it over. That that's my. This is going to be my cute trade of play of the day because I actually have been playing wedge it is as everywhere. a descending wedge. Is everywhere. It's a wedgie, but it's a descending wedge, which is typical of reversal patterns that go the yeah. other direction. Whenever you have a descending wedge, they tend to move up. Uh, so once you once you come out of it, and what happens to be there is the 161% extension of the last last move higher that we had from March to I think it was June, yeah, March to June. Um, we're we're hovering around that 161% extension. We're testing the upper end of that wedge, and I know Chris, you've been all over Swiss franc strength for the last couple of months. You you like we we went for almost three or four weeks of you just constantly saying buy Swiss, buy Swiss, buy Swiss. And it's been a great call. But now I think there might be a little bit of a pullback. And, you know, we get above 97 cents, we might see 99 cents again. So it's one of those things that I'm looking for just a a quick, short, cute retracement trade. Yeah, nice. Well, that's an interesting one. I, I, I... I don't really use RSIs for anything else other than divergence, Blake. I think they're very powerful, especially if you have to get like triple divergence. So that's really got me quite excited. I've got this one on the radar. I think this is a great little setup as well. So you've got to respect the flow. Um, when the bears can't take that down any further, um, then you've got to you've got to you've got to respect and and react, right? So I think that's a great great little setup there for for people to look at. Anyway, if you're still watching us, give us a like. Uh, if you want to leave some comments about any of the trade ideas, whether it's crude, whether it's you know to do with equity markets and consolidation, what you think ahead of Jackson Hole, what you think about Blake's Euro Swiss trade, which looks like it's a winner to me, um, but one that that, ne- that that needs to play out, leave a comment there. We'd obviously love to get back to you when we can. Anyway, thanks for watching the trade off. We'll see you guys next week.